Frank, I saw on Twitter an absolute tragedy. <laughs> and it was your Twitter account, Frank. What happened to your drone? Indeed, James, my Twitter account is full of tragedy. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, sad trombone. Um, I lost my drone. We did a whole episode about this drone that we were we were both so pleased with that we did an entire episode of the show about. And then what, one week later, two weeks later, I lost it. I lost it, James. It decided to land in the water. I couldn't stop it. This is these are the life decisions it chose. I oh. didn't ask it to. Uh, it decided to land on the water and turns out it's not good at landing on the water and decided to sink to the bottom of the water, which turns out is another life choice it decided to make. Oh, no, you know, that's crazy because it's so light. How did it not float? I know. OK, so here's the thing. I'll, I'll give the whole story. But truly, I thought it would float for a second. You know, like yeah. it, it looks like it would float for a second. It's It looks like a yellow cheap plastic thing and yellow cheap plastic things float for a second or two um so like even when it got away and i'll, I'll tell the story from the beginning i promise um okay. i didn't really like rush to get it because i'm like it'll just flow and i'll scoop it up in a second but no it sank like a rock <laughs> oh my gosh so it's not sealed up um and the battery is indeed heavy so I'm assuming mm. the plasticky parts flood pretty much instantaneously, thus ne negating volume. Uh, if you're not sure how buoyancy works, it's real fun and simple. Weigh the thing, measure its volume, calculate its density. If that's less than the density of water, it floats. If it's greater than the density of water, it sinks. So uh, yeah, we didn't have the volume advantage and it sank. So what happened, James? I was all inspired by our episode and decided to go kayaking because kayaking's fun we're talking about doing summer things on the episode i'm like let's go kayak and i did the one thing i think the user manual uh says there's just literally one thing you're not supposed to do with this drone which is operate it over water and i decided to operate it while in a kayak in water Ooh. so you can guess what happened <laughs> oh no oh my goodness yeah that you sounds know, not good they always say don't operate them over water but okay here's what happened i i put it in the simple mode it's supposed to launch from your hand go straight up yep. and then it finds your face it takes a picture and then lands on your hand again best mode ever simple mm -hmm. reliable right have you ever had that mode fail no pretty much it well yep uh-oh <laughs> I, I have had it so here's the thing with the pixie that maybe you didn't realize <laughs> is the pixie also has a do this thing for so long and then land. So yeah, there is a, basically it can fly away. It backs away from you and then, you know, does its thing. And then you need to go back to it and put your hand down. But if you wait too long, it will just land anyways. Yeah. Okay. So this does play into the story. It did choose to do that. Another life decision it made. Um, and I did know that, but here's what really happened. So it launches from my hand and it doesn't do the find your face thing. It just takes off oh, in no. just a random direction to the point where the random direction it chose. Some people are just hanging out on a houseboat and I thought it was going to hit them. You know, it's it's the classic whenever drones go out of control, you're like, I don't even care about the drone at that point. I'm just trying not to murder anyone or get anyone hurt. And the thing is beelining it straight toward this people. Oh, so I, I just yell over. I'm like, hey, uh, heads up. <laughs> 
drone inbound. And at this point, I'm thinking it's kind of funny and all that. I was expecting it to chill out and come back to me. But no, um, after a few minutes of just going as fast as it could across the water, freaking out, it then decided to stop and make a beautiful, gentle landing on the top of the water. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, sad trombone and the worst part is um, we were actually pretty close to shore just kayaking around but um, this is the shipping canal in Seattle and the shipping canal is very deep it turns out so I did we did due diligence Uh, we tried a magnet we tried magnet fishing for a while Mm. with you know not even sure if the magnet would grab it, to be thoroughly honest. So we tried that for a while. I even jumped in the water and tried to swim around and grab it. But it turns out the water's, water is very murky, and I wasn't having much luck at that. Oh, man. Can I tell you even more extravagances we're going through to recover this drone? My I friend guess. was with me. Yes, the story continues, James. My friend was with me and decided to use his remote control submarine drone to go and try to find my poor little pixie drone that is now buried in the water. By the way, I sent you a text message with a picture. Um, and that drone also, after an hour of operation, could not find little drone. Very sad. Mm. So today, I went out to the spot one more time. The story is never going to end. And I used my Mavic drone to take a top-down photo at noon o'clock so that the sun would be in the perfect position to get a perfect photograph of the area in which it was lost. And that's the photo I sent you. And there is no drone in sight. So salvage operations continue, James. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) What do you think of that? You know... At this point, um, I'm just sad. This is user error. I messed up. Hmm. I'm willing to pay the cost of the drone. Uh, I think you could benefit from it. I could send you a bunch of batteries. But at the same time, I'm having a little bit of fun as a summer project of Recover Drone. And who knows what condition it'll be in, if, when, slash if I ever find it. But you know what? Um, I'm, I'm willing to find out. And I'm, I'd like to try to repair it, too, if found. <laughs> yeah. So are you going to are you interested in buying another one or are you just going to no. attempt to work forever <laughs> on this? I had a quick answer to that one. You know, what was fun was I took my Mavic out to go take these pictures mm-hmm. of it. And I had a lot of fun flying my Mavic around. And I was like, you know what? I love this little drone. So I'm back to just loving my old drone. Um, you know, I move on quickly. It's, it's not good to dwell on things. This drone is lost. If it decides to make the life decision of coming back to me or I find it and pull mm. it back into the air, uh, then that'll be great. But otherwise, I'm considering it lost and I'm just going to enjoy the new salvage operation working on this summer. <laughs> I'm still sad. I'm still sad. I man. know. I'm, I'm covering my feelings. My true feelings are I'm super sad. That was dumb. Stupid, Frank. Don't operate drones over water, people. Oh, or at least not one that you can't control. Robot drones are bad in water. <laughs> yeah, robot robot drones are bad, yeah. Well, yeah. now I know I'm definitely not going to do what you did, so I feel positive about that. Yeah, and I was risky before. Like, I was doing it on docks, like, you know, a by water. I was water adjacent. This was yeah. the first time directly over water. And if, I don't know. I Okay, they say don't operate over the water, but who would have thought that its failure mode would to be to just go as fast as it can in a random direction? Yeah. I, I was not anticipating that failure mode. That's wild. 
Hmm. Did you email Snapchat? That's no, what I, I don't. I what, what am I going to say? Hey, I'm an idiot. I I did the one thing the instructions told me not to do. <laughs> Your drone was great until I broke the one rule you told me. That's sorry. True. Hashtag human. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Ugh. Oh my goodness. I'm you know, I, I don't, I, I would feel bad if they offered to replace it. I, I'm, I believe in uh, guilt and pay, paying for your crimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, on that topic, let's talk about paying for Azure or AWS or Google or any cloud provider. Because Frank, I got an email that says, hey, you got this old subscription that was giving you some free credits and you got a bunch of stuff just lingering out. Maybe... It's time to, to to fix that up. And that got us on a topic. We were talking on our Patreon feed about that, um, about some cool services to get free stuff, like free websites. <laughs> and you were talking about a service from Cloudflare. The, the, the company that I know of Cloudflare is traditionally, hey, be my DNS and yeah. CDN pretty much and handle all this stuff for me for all my websites and it makes backup and HTTPS and redirects really smooth. I basically use them for all my websites that I host on other platforms. Like, you know, Montemagno.com is, you know, hosted by Ghost, but, you know, I have all the um, DNS servers and all that stuff set up and CNAME stuff all set up through Cloudflare. And it makes it really easy to set up new websites. And this podcast is, you know what, Frank, this podcast, MergeComic.fm, <laughs> is on Cloudflare. 100% they have backups and all this jazz there. But you were using something else from Cloudflare, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love this topic. All right, we got to name this episode like free free ways to host your website. It should just be a YouTube video. You, you can yeah. see this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you actually introduced me to Cloudflare. This is all on you. Uh, and you introduced it to me because both of us were having a hard time with SSL certificates. Neither of us could figure out SSL. We're both terrible at it. I continue to be terrible at it. Um, I do understand certificates. I do understand like a server can make a little private and public key and they can be distributed and they can trust each other and all that stuff. What I hate are the authorities, the people mm. you have to get your certificates from, the certificate authorities. I hate dealing with them. I know their scripts. I've tried the scripts and they don't work. Anyway, you got me onto Cloudflare. You're just like, dude, it simplifies everything. So yeah, use them for DNS and they do all the SSL. Well, they introduced a new thing called Pages. Pages. Hello, pages. pages. And these are static websites. And just kind of on a whim, I just wanted to try it out. And the concept is really simple. You point them to, in my case, a Git repository. Of course, you can point them at different things. Uh, they download the repository. They'll even run some little build scripts if you want them to. You tell them a directory to host. And bingo, bango, uh, it's up and hosting. And I was... Really, I was I was taken aback by their good UI. <laughs> it was it was really smooth setting up a new Cloudflare Pages thing, and it, it it's a lot like GitHub Pages, which I host my blog on. Uh, so that's you know all these ways to get free websites. But I thought it was new, and I thought it was really interesting, and I liked it, and I had to tell you about it. Yeah, I was kind of curious immediately of how this differs from GitHub Pages, because you talked about before that I think your blog is a GitHub page, correct? 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so my blog is hosted by GitHub Pages. It's the repository is on GitHub, and the blog engine is Jekyll, which is what a lot of GitHub page uh, thingers are. Okay, that sounds pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I. I, I like it. Um, it's worked well in the past. The one thing I don't like about it is the Jekyll part. I actually really like Jekyll. I like uh, this concept of static websites versus dynamic websites. Mm. And just think, if you're not if you're not familiar with this lingo, we're just going back to the 1990s when websites were just file hosts, basically, with a few niceties added in the modern era. Uh, the neat thing is. Um, uh, you can either just put all the files up directly into the repo, or like I said, you can run a little build script and then point it at a directory, the output of the build script, and it will host that. Yeah, kind of kind of love it. Okay, that seems easy enough. Are there any limitations to either of the GitHub yeah, pages? I like you know, comparing and contrasting those two options, I think we've talked about GitHub pages, sorry, GitHub pages, not actions, um, GitHub pages before. Are there drawbacks and now you're saying like oh actually you know cloudflare is giving me all this extra goodness because you said let me break this down it's like github pages like it's already on github and then cloudflare pages you have to point it at github right so they're actually yeah. two different things in general right yeah these are two different services but gosh it gets even more confusing like the build servers they use are docker images provided by microsoft and github so it's it's all kind of it's all a little bit of confusion but uh, it seems like all these companies are providing similar solutions of static websites uh the difference is like github will try to do like some you know they're going to host it under doc github pages or whatever you know doc github domain it's mm -hmm. going to be in the GitHub domain. Now, they do have support for custom DNS, and you can do some trickseries and that kind of stuff. I've done that in the past. That's how preclarum.org is hosted on uh, GitHub pages. Mm. But in this case, um, I was impressed by a couple of things from Cloudflare. One was, it's just the UI, man. It's it's yeah. the UI, right? It was like three clicks, and they had the build script running, and it was very clear. It's very fast. You know, like, I'm just impressed by the speed. And you know me, I'm, I'm a speed junkie. So just having fast UIs like that was impressing me. And then on top of it, I was already using Cloudflare for my SSL, because I get to see also, <laughs> I stink at SSL. And it was trivial to just tell them, hey, I want to use one of these Cloudflare domains and point it at this pages thing. And it just worked really smoothly. I, I, I like the decoupling a little bit. I don't feel like GitHub has to own my entire dev stack. And so I like a little bit of trying other companies for things. Anyway, mostly I was impressed by the UI. <laughs> yeah. And and what I like about when I go to Cloudflare docs and pages is, is they have guides for every single... <laughs> Every single framework I can imagine. There's Blazor, Gatsby, yeah. Hexo, Hugo, Jekyll, Next.js, Nux.js, Preact, Quick, React, Remix, Sphinx, Svelte, Vue, Zola, <laughs> Angular, Astro, Elder.js, Eleveny, and then anything else. It's just deploy anything else. Um, what yeah. are you deploying? Are you deploying a Blazor app or are you doing something else? What are you deploying? H just HTML. Here's an HTML page. Yeah, just HTML. Here's an HTML page. Um, but what I'm doing is basically doing a database dump into mm. html so the old way not the old way <laughs> one of the ways you would write this is you would have a sql server mm. and you would have an asp.net website and when you go to a page it queries sql server for some data and renders that page that is an 
excellent architecture for a website that is going to have lots of dynamic content and lots of dynamic this and that. But if you're doing a static website, well, you do all of that, but you just do it once and you dump out a million .html files. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm doing. I have, instead of a web a web app, I, actually, I kind of do have a web app, but it just loads up the web app and renders out every single page, <laughs> okay. which is time consuming. Honestly, um, I'm dumping out. Um, this is a little project. I'll, I'll talk about it later, but it's something like 100,000 documents with cross referencing and Ooh. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so what I just have in the build script is it just downloads the database and then just blah <laughs> generates a billion files and then uh that's what gets hosted so it's kind of neat I, I like that advancement over the 1990s where it's more like you can still kind of architect it nicely here's my data here here are my views but uh if it's not dynamic content as in like users aren't submitting data you might as well just make it static yeah no it doesn't make a, it makes a lot of sense right and i think often when we look at different frameworks and architectures it's like there is still interactivity with the website, right? So when we say static, it just means that there's not necessarily what, what okay, what's, well, what's, yeah, break down the difference here for me. Cause I, yeah, I'm not even sure. Like if I go to the docs page, like docs.microsoft.com, it is content, yeah. right? Yeah. But if I go yeah. to montamagno.com or I go to a dev blog or something like that, it's, it's querying a server for information and then displaying that information. Is that still static? Could that be static? What, you know, what? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, like preclarum.org, that's a dev blog server and that is a static website. It's, so when we say static, it doesn't mean it's permanently like that for the rest of eternity. Mm. What we mean is it's permanently like that until the next deployment until the next build server run, until my next commit into the repo. When I commit into the repo, the website gets regenerated, re-uploaded, all that magic kind of stuff happens then. Got it. The difference would be if you actually need a server server to yeah. execute logic in the application. Like the app could make a server call, but it's not like MVC. MVC is a good example, right? Or Blazor server. There is a server with a signal R connection that is yeah. handling. It's not like it may do static content generation, but it still requires that real time connection to the server that's there yeah. where obviously JavaScript can run in the browser. But I'm assuming, Frank, that you could run a Blazor WebAssembly app because those run offline and there's no servers, right? Is that static? Ding, ding, ding. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Yep. So this is going to be like the optimal way to dis uh, to serve out WASM apps, uh, WebAssembly apps. Yep, build it all up. Um, so yeah, the, the big dynamic things are like real-time data. Those mm -hmm. need to be dynamic. Um, or user-contributed data, if you're running a forum or something like that. You don't want the developer to have to run the build script anytime someone posts to a forum. That's yeah. stupid. Um, but all that stuff is still achievable because like you said, you can run JavaScript and JavaScript can make API calls. Mm. So what a lot of these pages things also do is offer functions. 
So yeah, so these are your API functions. And what a function does, hey, sky's the limit, you know? So um, it's kind of fun. I'll talk about the Cloudflare side, but there is a way to do this in Azure too. Um, You just put a slash functions directory into your static website, throw in a bunch of JavaScript files. Now those JavaScript files don't run on the browser, they run on the server and only when they're needed. So it's it's the classic, you only pay for what you actually use. So now you're in a much more interesting architecture than what we were doing in the 2000s. So in the 2000s, it was, you have a SQL server, you have a web server, people make requests, the two talk to each other, that dumps out HTML. Now it's a little bit different. Now it's the web server is just dumping out static files Mm. Those static files can contain JavaScript. That JavaScript does API calls to get data. Those API calls will be hosted by functions, not a server, because then you're only paying for what you actually use. You don't have to pay for the whole server. And those functions can then, you know, get data however they want. They could talk to a database or they could talk to a different web service, whatever. I I really kind of love this new web app architecture, especially because it's pretty cheap (laughs) compared to the old days. Yeah, so I'm I'm reading the Cloudflare documentation. They they have the thing. It's called a, it's like a TypeScript uh, worker thing. It's like a Cloudflare yeah. worker. Is that what a thing? It's, does? it's Node. It's Node. Okay. It's running a Node function. Okay. That's it. it. It's just like if you put a Node function up in Azure or something like that. Uh, now I should say for them that's a beta feature. Uh, so the Pages thing is fully released. The other nice thing about the Pages, you get your SSL, you get it for your domain, uh, plus it's put on a CDN. So hopefully you're getting worldwide delivery too. Whereas if you're doing like a hosted server, you know, just a single hosted server, you generally pick a data center and mm. uh, you're not replicated around the world. The neat thing about static websites is they can just go up onto a CDN and be distributed everywhere. And then your functions, the dynamic part of the website, uh, those can obviously be uh, distributed too. The only real bottleneck you have is your database, whatever you want to use for that for uh, storing dynamic content. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you can have APIs, but it's got to do some stuff. I do like that they have a um, they have their their default is sort of like a blog, and it's like, oh, here you can return a list of blogs or whatever that are you know stored and the dates and the information, which could then serve you know files. Like you can have files, and then your website could parse those those. Um, files basically that are coming from this API or are the APIs free then? Cause they're, they're serverless, right? I love, I love the serverless because there is a server, <laughs> yeah. but you know, obviously, um, it, you know, they, they should have gone like static, static, uh, functions <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I, yeah, I just, well, it's just, they go well together. It's yeah. like peanut butter and jelly. It's, it's a new way to architect apps and I'm really down for it. Um, what was the question? Is it free? Oh, is how much? Free? Yeah. Okay. So they're free under the beta and that's oh. all they've said so far. So, um, pages are free up mm-hmm. to limits. Uh, you asked earlier about some limits. I don't know the, um, total website size limit. I haven't hit it yet, but, um, I do know there is a per file size limit of 25 megabytes yeah it makes sense so yeah so you're going to want to organize your website nicely so you're not hosting any huge content but that's just because that's the free tier right so yeah. when we get into the functions because it's beta they're free 
who knows? But so far, Cloudflare has been really aggressive with pricing. So I, I imagine it's going to be competitive. I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, that that's neat. I see what they're doing here. Yeah. Well, I'm, if there are the workers, it says 15 cents per million requests, minimum of $5 a month. Yeah, this is different technology different. on top of that. So the pricing may be different. But yeah, you could use that for a ballpark. Probably okay. it'll probably be gotcha. similar. Yeah. Now, you said there's something in Azure as well. I'm assuming that everyone kind of has one of these, but there's an Azure one. I know. I, I, I like I'm this. asking you're, you. You're segueing, and I, 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 I'm, I'm going to sound so smart, James. Well, you know, I am a Microsoft MVP. I am oh. aware of different things. But this one, I was totally unaware of. So, everyone, the show started with, hey, James, I got to tell you this free thing I'm getting. And James is like, you know what? Azure has that free thing, too. That's right. You know what? Yeah. So, it, it, it is this beautifully named Static Web Apps. I think they should have just called it Pages. If everyone just calls it Pages, then you're like, are you using Microsoft Pages or are you using mm-hmm. Cloudflare Pages, using GitHub Pages? By the way, it's uh, the Microsoft Azure Static Web Apps. Uh, just Google that. It'll come up. It's got good SEO. And I I didn't believe this because I always feel like Azure wants to nickel and dime you a little bit everywhere. Um, but they've totally got a free tier. And the free tier is pretty impressive. I should start by saying this does pretty much everything uh, I was just talking about. Uh, I don't know about the SSL stuff. I hope Azure ups its SSL game. But um, uh, yeah, they've got this, James. Do you believe it's a it? free SSL search, which are automatically renewed, Frank. <laughs> Beautiful. So yeah. Everyone's learning the lesson. We don't want to deal with SSL unless you're like a bank or something. Unless you're yeah. like literally holding people's money. We don't want to deal with SSL. <laughs> uh, so this is an interesting one because I I obviously work at Microsoft. So I've worked you know, relatively close with the Azure Static Web Apps team and the functions team because I want to talk about that here a little bit. Because I think if you're a .NET developer and you're listening yeah. to this podcast, this may be your go-to because let me tell you why. Well, it does have all those features like you were talking about. Now, the difference here is that it has all the authentication, the custom domains, SSL, blah, 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 blah. But the difference is GitHub or Cloudflare pages linked into GitHub and GitLabs, I believe. Um, and Git and Azure Static Web Apps is GitHub and Azure DevOps. So those are the two integration points that are there to deploy triggers and deployments, which makes sense because it's a Microsoft service. So it integrates with Microsoft services. But who knows? It could obviously open that up in the future. It's just files and stuff like that. I assume yeah. <laughs> there's not anything special happening on GitHub. It's just like is pointing at it and they have the webhooks at work, correct? There's nothing like else happening on GitHub beyond that with your pages, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not an expert in any of this kind of stuff. Oh, I, no, I am saying correct. Yes. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm just realizing like um, there, these are all so similar. It is kind of hard to tell them apart and what like what does one offer versus the others? But yep, I'm going to agree with you there. Okay, got it. That makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. And the perk here, I think, is that just like you know, pages, you know, integrates with everything. There's they they say there's like three things that you can do with static web apps. They should put this at the front. But it's like <laughs> build modern web apps, publish static websites, deploy web apps with frameworks yeah. like Nux.js and Next.js. They say publish static sites with Gatsby, Hugo, ViewPress. But here's the bonus. So it's like if you have an, a website, 
that uses Angular, React, Svelte, Vue, you're good to go. Or you can use Blazor and WebAssembly. And instead of using JavaScript, Frank, what if mm -hmm. you could use Azure Functions that support Node.js, .NET, and Python as your backend for your Azure Static Web Apps? That would be yeah. pretty cool, right? So that is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So th that's what that's what I really perked up at uh, when you were telling me this because it's like, okay, Azure Pages. So they just did something fancy with Blob Storage. Cool. But in this case, um, it's the integration with the functions. It means I can take my gobs of code that I've written for the last 10 years and easily host it up. And, you know, when we talked about this, like several years ago, when you when you were first getting into Azure functions, I'd been meaning to like start architecting my websites like that, but I just haven't been. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm totally going to switch to the style. It's just so much better. Uh, and for instance, I have a I have like MVC websites that are basically just API servers. And they're just begging to be switched over to like Azure Functions. So I am excited to switch all those over to Azure Functions and then host the majority of the website is just static HTML and images because that's all anything is. And yeah, be happy. This is a pretty cool new world. Like, is this the thing that they call the Jam Jam Stack? What the Jam Stack? Ooh, we're not web developers. We're going to get this wrong. Yeah, is there a cool name for this? <laughs> jam Stack? Because I know... Jamstack, an architecture designed to make web faster, more uh, this is marketing shenanigans, pre-rendering. Yeah. With the Jamstack, yeah. the entire front end is pre-built into highly automatic static pages yeah. and assets during build. So I guess we're Jamstacking it up. Are we jam Are we Jamstackers? Cool. This is the thing. We're, we're Jamstacking. I, I know like the F-Sharpers have like the safe stack. And now I, now I feel like we're going to have to do an episode on the safe stack. It'll be the Jamstack versus the safe stack. <laughs> Jamstack. I love all this net. stuff. Yeah, I'm sure there are people listening be like, oh my God, guys, I can't believe you're kind of late to all this. But here's the deal. Um, I, I didn't run into this until I was like, I don't want to pay for websites. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, I knew this was possible. I didn't know how cheap it was, James. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you can get your website, I, I think I'm actually just seeing the max size per deployment for Azure static websites is 0.25 gigabytes for the free version, which is 250 megabytes. Um, so if you can get your website down to 250 megabytes static and then do the rest of your dynamic stuff through the functions, totally switching over there. They do have a pricing plan, so they can get money from you. $9 a month, and you're up to the two gigabytes. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that, that's that's what you get for $9 a month. <laughs> well, that's not bad at all. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, That's way cheaper than having a server because the cheapest server estimate is like $10 a month, I think, yeah. for like a B or S, a B1 bucket or a, and that's like dev yeah. test, right? We're talking like this is production level stuff that's happening here. Yeah, and they do a great job. Like, I, I like how we've been moving up the abstraction level and all this kind of stuff. You and I, we're always just trying to look for the simplest mm -hmm. and cheapest servers we can get. But if you think about like what you used to go through in the old days, you would buy a server and set it up. That was terrible. So then we got hosted servers. That was a little bit better. Then we started getting virtual machines. That was even better. Mm -hmm. uh, then we started doing the Dockers. Then we started to do... Um, I don't know, just, uh, <laughs> it just feels like I don't ever want to run a server, you know? And so we're, we're getting the server list thing. You were making fun of it earlier, but 
truly, I, I am 100% on board for the serverless world where I'm just saying, look, I got a bunch of files, a bunch of code I want you to run, and some data and some random URL. <laughs> uh, do the rest. And I it's, think that's good. It's true. It's sort of in, in, in the past, you know, the default is file, right click, publish, give me a server because it, you know, it's just going to work no matter what you architect is like, and go and do it and be off and be happy. Tried and true. That's tried and true internet. Yeah. But if you take a step back and it's like, Hey, let me think about what are the potential options for this app server, whatever, then how do we move that forward? Basically? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Can I say one bad thing about this new brave world we're in? Okay. I'm ready for one app. Let's just use high level term here. An app. I have four repositories Oh my <laughs> gosh! to make all this stuff work. I have a repository for the neural network because it requires a neural network and I want someone else to host the neural network. So that's a whole repository. Mm -hmm. It has a repository to generate the website. Uh, like uh, scripts and things like that. Okay. It has another website to just host the data because I got to put the data somewhere. And then it has another website to run, or sorry, website, then another repo to have the API. So it's just, it's a mess. <laughs> I, and I, that's kind of how this world works, like in its simplest version. Now I could combine all those repos into like one giant repo, but not all these services are great at like, if they see, if they see some weird code in the repo, they might try to execute it. You know, a lot of these automatic build scripts aren't superbly genius. <laughs> and so I do find that the safest way to go about this is to have a, a few different repos to make it all work. I'm just realizing I should do like one parent repo that <laughs> has like sub repos, but no, let's not get into that. That sounds terrible. Uh, so versioning can be a little bit weird between my different uh, repositories, but overall, I still think this is a good architecture. Nice. I love it. I love learning about this stuff and I need to go do more stuff there. I know we have, there's like docs and learn modules and other stuff like that. And yeah, I'm curious, you know, if you're using some jam stack staticky stuff, let us know in mergeconflict.fm. That'd be for sure. There's a contact button, there's a discord, there's all that stuff. I'd be super interested to learn what people are using. To be honest with you, I'd be super interested. So yeah. And who, who needs a website over 250 megabytes? No one's going to read that. No, 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 <laughs> no one wants that. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that that might do it, Frank. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think we can, can, should we, we only named three companies. I'm sure Amazon's got some offerings here. I just want to make sure that we earn the title, how, how to host your website for free or whatever you choose to name this episode. That's what it's going to be named. Boom. <laughs> I'll do my best. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, Amazon. I don't know the name of your service. I'm sure you have a competitor because you're all being so competitive. Yes. They had to. And Google? They got there. Oh, um, right? yeah. Uh, Google's had like 800 different web hosting things. I'm, I'm a little too burnt out on Google to use them as a web host ever again. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to say something negative. <laughs> nope. Well, on that note, I think we'll end this podcast. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Merge Conflict, your weekly development podcast, talking about all things about how to get stuff for free. Um, if you have any comments, go ahead and uh, head over to MergeConflict.fm. Hit us up on Twitter at James Montemagno at Proclarum, podcast at, at MergeConflict.fm. Of course, there's a website. There's a Patreon button. There's a whole bunch of stuff. We put on a bonus episode every single week for our Patreon subscribers. By every week, I mean 
almost every week, basically for everybody there. And of course, don't forget to leave reviews, comments, things, you know what to do, all the things that every podcast tells you. That's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.